All right, our text is Luke chapter 23, Luke chapter 23, verse 46, as we look now at the seventh saying from the cross. We've looked at the first six, and this is the final one today, and the seventh saying from the cross. And so that message pretty well just tied, that message in song pretty well tied in with that, as well as the old rugged cross. And so I uh, hope you'll... Just keep those things in your heart and mind. That song, if you think on those words that you just sung, they, they really challenge us in many ways. They really do. Luke chapter 23 and verse 46 is our text. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now shall we pray, Father... Help us to rightly divide your word today. I pray for thy very Holy Ghost to speak to hearts throughout this auditorium, whether it's to edify the saved, whether it's to call those who do not know that they died today, that heaven's their home, that it might call them to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Perhaps, Lord, there's someone here, Lord, that's going through some things. And they need to see your help and your strength. But whatever it is, Lord, have your will and way, whether it's in this auditorium, those listening on the radio, or those through the internet with this live stream. However, Lord, I pray thy Holy Ghost would work in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you've missed any of these sermons, uh, you can go to our website there at centralbaptistocala.org and click on there and you can find the seven sayings on the cross. There's uh, and this will be the final sermon on that series. So I hope that you will do that. And you can email those sermons if you would like. If there's something that speaks to your heart and you would like someone else to hear it, you can email that to them just by following the promptings that are there. Now, having said that, uh, this final sermon has seen all fulfilled to this point. We, we've seen the prophecies that were uh, called for are fulfilled. The penalty is fulfilled. The penalty of our sin was fulfilled to be fully punished in our substitute, the Lord Jesus Christ. It was all that he required. The very Holy Ghost of God that we have as saved people cannot offer any comfort. The Father cannot offer any comfort, cannot offer any mercy when his wrath has been poured out. It was bad enough when the wrath was poured out by man and Satan, but Jesus never had a problem with that. But it's when he has God Almighty pouring out his wrath on his human spirit that he cries out, my God. But now he has proclaimed, it is finished. He's paid the penalty in full. Everything is accomplished. And now, whosoever will, they come to him, he'll in no wise cast them out. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. He's made all that available now with all things completed. Proclaiming it's finished. Proclaiming to all the world, to all those there, so that 
the world there, Satan, hell, heaven, everybody knows all of it is complete. He says, I commend my spirit. Into thy hands I commit thy spirit, my spirit. And then he gives up the ghost. If I had one word to describe this last saying of Jesus, I would use the word difference. Why? Because first of all, this cross and its completion made a difference in relationship. He is now saying, Father. Now, at the beginning of the cross, they were nailing him to the cross. They were saying all things about him, and they were doing things to him, all that man could do. And he kept just saying, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Satan and man did all they could. And the father allowed man to do all that he could. And yet somehow or another the father allowed the grace and mercy for the son to endure that. To even he could pray for his persecutors. But then the skies turn dark. The father takes over the crucifixion. And he does what our eyes cannot see. And he pours out his almighty holy wrath on the human spirit of Jesus Christ. And now he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But he endures it all. He endures everything that is poured out on him. In the hour that he is forsaken of God. He does not forsake his mission does not forsake what it would take for you and me to be saved. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 through 11 tells us that one day every knee shall bow of things in heaven, things on earth, things under the earth, and they will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why? Because this is his son. The man in hell today cries, Mercy! God, have mercy on me. And as Jesus cried out, my God, my God, when he gets to the end, he's saying, Father. Father. He's again saying, Father. Why? It's over with. He's paid it all. And now he says, Father, it's all paid. The relationship does not have to be separated and never will be separated again. It's forever. Why? Because salvation is forever. It's that same cross that pictures for us how sin separates us from the Father for it even separated His Son from Him. When our sin was upon Him, even His Son is separated from Him. But now, the wrath of God is fully satisfied. And now he says, Father. Isn't that interesting? If you repent and believe the gospel, you can also call him your father. Your father. But the man in hell will never be able to say, Father. All he can do is 
cry out to God for mercy, but he's not his father. When he had the chance, he passed it up. And now he cannot say, Father, unless he repents and believes the gospel before he leaves this life. Have you ever watched a little boy? That little boy, three, four, five, maybe six years old. And they're looking out the window for daddy to come home. And as soon as they see that car pulling the drive, daddy's home! Yay! You know, and for some reason or another, after five or six, they quit that. Oh no, daddy's home, go hide. You know, but uh, up till then, daddy's a hero. But boy, daddy's home! And boy, he's excited, he's so happy. But then there's those days when mama has a bad report to give on him. He may look out the window, but he's looking to see when he needs to go hide. He doesn't yell out, hey, daddy's home. No, he runs off somewhere. Now daddy has to come looking for him. You know, it still doesn't change one thing. That doesn't change. That little boy is still his son. When I received Jesus Christ as my Savior to them that believe on him, gave he the power to become the sons of God, I became one of his children. I became one of his adopted children. That day I received Christ as my Savior. The price had been paid completely. But you know what? When things aren't right with the Lord, reckoning is grievous. But did you parents that are older that spanked your children? Did you ever notice what happens after spanking? The tension is gone. And there's peace with the child. You were all tense because you knew you had to do it. And you didn't really want to spank your child. Your child's at peace and I'm glad that's over with. But nonetheless, then all of a sudden that relationship is back strong. That's why we get things right with God immediately. Don't let it go undone. Get it right right now. But if you're not saved, if you don't know that if you die today that heaven's your home, one second after death is too late. Just like that little boy, one second after his daddy would drive into the driveway, it was too late. My friend, one second after death, it is too late to get right with God. The difference of relationship made a torturous moment sweet. Yes, Jesus Christ is tortured by a man and by a Satan. And then when the Father takes over, it's so much worse. And God's precious only begotten Son is tortured. But never again. He who knew no sin had all my sin, all your sin, all sin for all time placed upon him. And when all sin for all time, for all ages was placed upon him, Jesus paid it all. Now again, the father, when it was his only begotten son, could not stand in there for him. Could not administer grace and mercy for him. He had to pay it all. And in the very moment of God's forsakenness, he suffered torture for our sin and what our sin deserved. 
And after it's paid, he became the way of salvation for every lost soul. What I like about that, that there was one more thing to do. To raise victorious. See, he became a human man. He had existed in all eternity past, but he becomes a human man. And in order to become a human man that he might pay our penalty, he also had to be able to resurrect. And he did. And he has a glorified body. And the great thing about that, that is true for us. The resurrection, we have a new body fashioned like unto his glorious body, the Bible tells us. If we receive him as our Lord and Savior in this life. But it must be in this lifetime. When Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You can just imagine in your mind, try to imagine in your mind. I don't think you can ever get the fullness of it. But in your mind, see just the torment, the torturous fear. And think of the man without Christ in that ever-burning lake of fire, where he never ceases to exist, where there is no escape. There forever and ever, one second after death, it's too late. He's tormented day and night. And he cries out, but there'll never be mercy. Never. You see, there's a great difference between falling into the hands of a loving God when your spirit departs this body than falling into the hands of an angry God when your spirit leaves this body. It's all dependent upon your relationship with Jesus Christ. The difference in relationship now is so sufficient for those who receive Christ as their Savior. Think of the trials of those in the Bible. I mean, some men who were named by the name of Christ went through some tremendous trials. But they had the help of the Lord. You see, Jesus Christ, there was no help for him on the cross. But no matter what we face, there will always be help. Daniel He has a right relationship with God. But that right relationship with God did not prevent the lion's den. He was cast in, not knowing that he was going to be delivered, but he knew he knew the Lord and his spirit would go to be with the Lord if he's not. But he's lowered into the lion's den, and the lions lay down and just become his pillows. When Daniel's taken out, the others who had him cast there will be thrown in and be eaten immediately, even before they hit the ground by the same lions. I think of the three Hebrew children. They were told to bow down to this image of Nebuchadnezzar or be cast into the furnace of fire. And they said, Neb, (laughs) Nebi, do what you say. Do what you want. But let me tell you this. Our God will be with us. But if he's not, we're going there. 
But we're not going to bow down and pray to you or any other false god. That made Nebuchadnezzar so mad he takes and gets that thing so hot. It's seven times hotter than it's supposed to be heated. It's so hot that when the, those big burly soldiers are trying to throw those men into, some of his best soldiers were used for that. And those big burly soldiers throwing these three men in there, the heat was so bad it killed them. Those men fall into the furnace, they roll around, they get up, ropes are burned off, and then they're walking around trying to stay warm, okay? And and Nebuchadnezzar sees it, uh, and he says, didn't we throw three in there? I see a fourth one, and the fourth one is likened to the Son of God. You know why he said that? Because the fourth one was the Son of God, and he didn't know him to that point. And Jesus was with them all the way. And he delivers them. I think of Paul and Silas in prison there in Acts chapter 16, the Philippian jail. Boy, they've just given them that Roman cat of nine tails. They're bleeding. They're hurt. They're put in stocks. They're put in the deep inner prison. And what do they do? Woe is me. No, they're singing, praising God, preaching. And they're having such a good time of it at midnight, the... Earthquake hits and their shackles fall off. The doors come open. Boy, they can escape, but they don't. They want to see that that jailer gets saved too. That jailer, boy, his God was really good, wasn't he? His God told him to kill himself. Fortunately, our God says, I want you to have everlasting life. And he steps in and he's able to save that soul. That's the God that we have. You see, there's a difference in relationship when you get saved and, and God, instead of being your judge, is now your Savior. And Jesus delivers them. Where are you with God today? If you're saved and you're a Christian and you know Him as your Lord and Savior, what is your trouble? Is the relationship that you have with God such that it will sustain you through your troubles, through your tragedies, through your heartaches? Would his rod and staff comfort you when you go through that valley? Jesus goes through all of that for us. And then he views the work. And he says, it is finished. It's paid for all time. And then he says, well, now that everything's done, it's been announced to the world, it's been announced to eternity, the work was done. Now he says, Father, now I commend my spirit into your hands. Why? Well, now he's got to go home and prepare a place for those who love him. He's going to prepare a place, and when he gets done preparing it, he's coming again. That where he is, there will he may be also. He's preparing a place. Are you ready to go? You know, some people do not get delivered in this life. Although they're saved, and although they love God, they don't get delivered in this life. But when you do die, you belong to Jesus Christ. You got the best delivery you could ever have. 
it's far better to be with the Lord. You go from physical pain and suffering to the healthful presence of the Lord. You go from a land of trials and troubles and tears to a land of joy and peace. Jesus arose, arose three days later from the grave. Forty days later, he ascends the final time into heaven. With a record like that, you can trust him with your very eternal spirit and soul. We're talking today of Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry. But before the week is out, all those people waving palms, all those people saying, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. Those people aren't going to be there. They're going to flee when it's going to cost them something. Most of the disciples scattered from him. We need to ask ourselves, will I lift my cross and follow him? Will I bear my cross as he bore his? Will I be at the foot of the cross? Or will I be hiding Will I be ashamed? Fearful of the identity with Jesus Christ. What will it be for me? What will it be for you, my friend? So there is a difference of relationship. Instead of being our judge, he's our father. And it's only our sins that cause friction in that relationship. But not only is there a difference in relationship, it makes a difference in a decisive commitment. Jesus decided in the counsels of God before the <clears throat> foundations of the world to be the one that would be the savior of our souls. You wonder why he sweat huge drops in the garden that were as they were blood? Why? Why was he like that? Why was his spirit so grieved? Because he knew what was going to come on his human spirit. He knew what was going to happen. And yet he prays, not my will, but thine be done. Oh, the suffering and the shame of the cross. He knew it. And yet he said, that will be done. He knew he could destroy those who were about him. He knew he could just speak the word and they'd all be dead. He knew he could speak the word and just come off the cross. He knew he could call for 12 legions of angels and they'd come in a heartbeat. But instead, he's made a commitment. And my friend, Jesus always keeps his word. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He doesn't lie. He knew it all. Our, he's our example. First Peter chapter 2 verse 21 says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. You see, if you're saved today, that's the example you need to have. You say, what do you mean? Go get on the cross? No, 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 no. 
What I'm saying is this. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You won't earn it. Jesus already earned it. You receive it by repentance and faith. But you know what? It doesn't stop there. Verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God has before ordained that you should walk in them. In other words, God has a will for your life. If you're saved today, you know you're saved, regardless of your place in this life, he has a specific will for you. Ours is to walk in that will as Jesus walked. As 1 John chapter 2 says, to walk even as he walked. To live according to the will of God. And so that brings a question to my mind. Am I a soldier of the cross? We have a hymn in our hymn books, I believe. Am I a soldier of the cross? A follower of the Lamb. Why would it say Lamb? Maybe because it speaks of a sacrificial giving of life. And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease? While others fought to win the price and and sailed through bloody seas. Are there no foes for me to face? Must not uh, I, I stem the flood? This vile world, is this vile world a friend of grace to help me on to God? <laughs> of course it's not. Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil. Endure the pain, supported by thy word. Am I a soldier of the cross? Men die in their chosen passions. Sometimes we make choices, or some are good choices, some are bad choices, about life, about who you marry, about the rules of your life. Some choose to drink and lust, never thinking of the consequences that go along with that. A businessman started a chain of restaurants. He had a restaurant, it did well, started another, another, before too long he had a chain of restaurants. He chose to do that. But on his deathbed, because death did come, and he left it all behind. On his deathbed, they were trying to hear what he said, and one of them leaned over to say, what did you say? What did you say? He said, slice the ham thin. Now, that seems funny to us, but that was his heart and life. Now, he wasn't an evil man in what we look at as some this out-and-out depravity. But I kind of like the way D.L. Moody died. D.L. Moody says... This is glorious. Wow, this is wonderful. He says, earth is receding, heaven is opening. But you see, you have to pay the price that D.L. Moody paid. Your life for Christ in a world that rejects Christ. Jesus is paying our penalty 
on the cross as a result of a commitment. This world doesn't know commitment today. Divorce is an easy thing because that's the first answer to get out of a commitment. People don't pay their bills. They, They make a commitment, then they don't pay the bill. But 2 Timothy 1.12 states that Jesus is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. The old rich young ruler, he wasn't evil because he is rich. He said, Lord, I, I follow thee whithersoever thou goest. He said, okay, well, sell all your goods, give it to the poor and follow me. Uh-oh. He finally realizes that he has a God, something that's more important to him than the Lord. It's not that his money was evil. Jesus was showing him his heart wasn't all out for Jesus Christ. And it had to be shown unto him. He may have been a good moral man in the eyes of many. You see, too many want the tag of Christian, which means Christ-like. Some, many people are saved, but they're not Christian. That, that is, they're not Christ-like. They're only saved. Saved from the penalty of hell. Saved into eternal life, but they're not Christ-like. And here's the idea of having that life commitment. Instead of the tag of Christian, they ought to just be satisfied with the tag of I'm saved if they're not willing to make the commitment. The Bible tells us that rich young ruler went away sorrowful. And you may be here today, you're cleaned up, you're, you're, you're cultured, you're moral, you're religious. But if you're without Christ as Savior, you're going to go to hell wide open just as much as that guy that's a murderer. And if you're not willing to admit you're a sinner who deserves to go to hell, then my friend, the only thing that's left for you is eternity in a lake of fire. If you're a saved person, make a decisive, determinate commitment to Jesus Christ. Not only for the salvation of your soul, but also to serve him and to live for him. Let him be the number one priority of their life. Is there things, are there things in your life that have taken priority over the things of God, just like the rich young ruler? It may not be riches, it may be something else. Yes, Jesus makes a difference in eternity. Just like he made a difference in commitment and our relationship. But you don't go into that difference of eternity until once you've received him as your Lord and Savior. Let's just take one more picture from the cross. Jesus is there. He's suffering all of this. Men are coming by, spitting on him. They're mocking his naked body on the cross. It's bleeding and broken. The pain is excruciating. The Father has forsaken him. There's no mercy. There's no grace. There's no anything. And and, and there's this, this soldier. Now, they had soldiers there, but there's one soldier that usually be right there near the foot of the cross. Keep people from coming in to try to steal them away, to try to take it over. He was the guy that was there. He's witnessing this. He sees people come by and spit on Jesus. 
They see him try to slap him. And they see, he's, here's Jesus saying, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he sees them going through this terrible torture when the Father pours out his wrath upon his human spirit during that three hours of darkness. I mean, the sky has turned dark for three hours. And he's still there and he's witnessing all of this. This, the grounds have trembled. The, the earthquake has come. The, the veil in the temple is torn from top to bottom. And then, suddenly, the skies clear up. Jesus looks and says, It is finished. And when you'd think that after six hours of all the bleeding, all of the torture, and everything else that has happened to him, he'd have no strength to say anything else. But we're told in our text, he cries out with a loud voice. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he gave up the ghost. He actually had control of the very moment he was going to die. Can you imagine that Roman soldier standing there because he made this statement? Truly, this was the Son of God. I think he said that not only as a testimony of who they had just crucified. I think he said it in great fear. He could have called 12 legions of angels. He could have come off that cross. Oh, what he could have done. And perhaps he's there thinking, what's going to happen to me? I have crucified the Lord of glory. Yes, sin is fully punished. His blood shed for all men for all time. And yet, because we are created in his image, God is a spirit. We are created in the image of a spirit, not in the image of flesh, not in the image of blood, not in the image of, of, of those things. We are, commit, we are created in the image of a spirit. That spirit has a free will. So even in your salvation, you have a free will to accept it or reject it. But I want you to understand this. You reject it one second after death. You're in a lake of fire. You're in hell. You are there forever and ever, tortured night and day and never able to escape. If you receive it, the Bible tells us that it's not just better, it's far better to be with the Lord. Far better. Waiting when you'll have a new body, fashioned like unto his glorious body, Minus the scars in the hands, in the feet, in the side. And it's forever. 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 And it's all up to you to say, I believe God. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. And I right now, I want to receive him into my life as my God and Savior. And if you do that. He'll save you. He'll save you.
Because, remember, he always keeps his word. Where will you be one second after death? Will you be falling into the hands of a loving God? Or will you be falling into the hands of an angry God? It's up to you. Let's bow our heads, please.